Welcome to Sharpen, a series from the Alpha Psi chapter of Beta Upsilon Chi. Sharpen is a leadership development program designed to help grow and empower Christian men to become faithful leaders in their organizations, families, and workplaces. Let's get started. to our third session of Sharpen. This week is titled Eat Last. Great leaders know that to lead means to serve. Today I'm joined by our current president, Jack Stanley, and our current pledge captain, David Segal. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm glad to have you guys here. Um, we'll jump right into it. So the title of this Eat Last, it's borrowed from actually a book by Simon Sinek titled Leaders Eat Last. And that title also comes from the Marine Corps. And so the premise is that the officers in the Marine Corps eat after all of their men do. And that kind of acts as a image, as a, an analogy or parable of what leadership is supposed to look like. So I'll kind of give an example from my own experience and then talk a little bit about leadership and what this looks like in practice. So two summers ago, I interned at a company in Carmel, and I had a boss named Lee. And so I remember two things that Lee had made very clear to us and to his team. And the first was that he would go to bat for any one of us with the higher ups. And the second is that he cared more about our development as people than as employees. And so sure, you know, he wanted us to do good at our jobs, but he also recognized that just statistically, almost none of us would be staying for more than a few years. And so what he really focused on was making sure that we felt protected and that we could trust him. And, you know, what this produced was actually better work. It produced us being a really solid team, one of the best teams I've ever been on. And it really led me to respect Lee uh, and know that he was going to lead us well. And so what Lee really understood was eating last, this idea of what it means to serve a team, this idea of servant leadership. That's kind of what we'll be talking about today. So when I say servant leadership, this is not just a, you know, a Christian buzzword or a nice idea. This is an actual leadership model. And it was formulated originally by Robert Greenleaf in the 1970s. He has a paper called The Servant as a Leader. And in this paper, he says that the servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. The best test is this. Do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? And then um, later, I believe it was in the 90s, there's a kind of a, a follower, a student of Greenleaf named Larry Spears, and he identified 10 different characteristics of the servant leader. And so these characteristics are listening, empathy, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of others, and building community. So, you know, we could talk for a while about any of those, uh, but what we'll focus on for today is stewardship. So let me ask you guys, when you hear the word stewardship, like what, what comes to mind for you immediately? Yeah, when I think of the word stewardship, it puts in mind, and I'll try not to see it through the lens of just a Christian lens, but just in general, it, it, stewardship is 
having ownership of things, having responsibility for resources or for people, whatever it might be. Uh, and then the ability of the, the call to use those things well. And I would say true stewardship, using them for other people, not yourself. Yeah, no, Jack, that's that's spot on. I mean, a steward is basically just someone who manages someone else's assets or affairs. Uh, and so the basic biblical principle underneath all of this is simply this, that nothing that you have is yours. So not even the breath in your lungs belongs to you. It all belongs to God. And we are only just stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And so there's a lot of scripture that supports this. You know, I think of James 1, 7, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Uh, Romans eleven thirty six that for from him and through him and for him are all things. There's a lot of verses that we can pull to simply support that God is creator and that uh, everything that we have or that we call our own is his at the end of the day. And so, uh, you know, this kind of goes to the idea of tithing, right? So um, most people, when you think of stewardship, you think of money. So we give 10% of our income, uh, but this is ultimately a reminder that none of our money is really ours. And so a lot of times, you know, we ask like, oh, how much should I give away? Um, But rather the question should be, you know, how much of God's money should I spend on myself? And then you could then extend that to time. And we'll, we'll tie this all back to leadership in a minute, but let me build out this idea. So you could extend this to your time, the fact that, uh, you know, we rest for 24 hours a week as a reminder that none of our time is ours. And so, again, you could ask something like, you know, how much of my time am I supposed to spend with God? Um, but rather we could turn that into like, what am I spending my, my time on that's eternally significant? You know, how is what I'm spending my time on growing me into the person I want to become? And so this has the ability to bleed into all areas of our life. This idea that everything that we have is God's. And so, uh, you know, you could think of your spiritual gifts and abilities that we identified in week one. Uh, you can think, how can I be using those for God? How can I use the positions of uh, privilege and power that I have um, to be able to give back to God. You know, our spiritual advisor, Kerry, he said many times before, like God puts these things in our lives. He puts these opportunities and blessings and even trials in our life. And then he, he kind of steps back and he watches to see how we do it. So God is very interested in how we steward the things that he's given us. Um, this also makes me think of, you know, the parable of the talents. So, how um, those all of the talents that we've been given, the money we've been given, um, God is concerned with how well we use that. So to tie all that back into this idea of leadership, so the servant leader has this steward mindset. So he knows that the people on his team, his followers, uh, they're not his, so to speak. Uh, and so he doesn't see leadership as a status symbol or a resume builder he sees it as a privilege and a responsibility. And so he's far more concerned with impact than income. He's more concerned with relationships than his own power. Uh, And he doesn't just delegate, but he also, you know, grows and empowers other people. We'll be talking about that later on. So ultimately he creates an environment where others, they feel safe and challenged. They feel self-motivated and ultimately loved. Um, So, just to build that out and to apply that to leadership, I want to kind of bring you guys in on that. So, you know, what does it mean to you to lead with us with a steward mindset? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
just back in that idea that where you said that nothing that we have is ours, even the breath in our lungs is from the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's us being filled with God's spirit. How are we going to use God's spirit uh, to bless other people? We could use it for ourselves. We could use, and I love that you said, like a leader that understands this idea of stewardship doesn't see leadership as a title or a symbol of, of power, but rather a gift, an opportunity to pour back into other people, to be more concerned with their development than their own status. Um, so I see, I see steward, steward leadership as being, as understanding that the people and the opportunities God has placed in your life are not meant for you to, to prop yourself up, but rather to pursue the Lord with and to point others to the Lord as well. Um, how are you aligning everybody else with the purposes that God has for you in your organization, uh, or within uh, the groups that you're, that you lead on, um, or even that's that's the thing we're we're kind of framing this under a discussion of leaders who have roles or titles, of, sure. but uh, to be a leader and to understand um, that God is everything anything we have is from God anyway. People that have no title are definitely entrusted with specific things. How do you lead well with those? How do you manage those well? Understanding that um, it isn't about how can I use this for myself, but how do I give this back to God? It's His in the first place. How do I? How does God use it in and through me? It's not even, because I think if we look at look to ourselves as how, how do I steward it? How do I control it? How do I act? It ultimately then is falling back on us. Like, yeah. what am I doing? But if it's God's in the first place, how is God going to use me to steward and to manage these things well? It's actually God in and through us, not us trying to earn God's approval. Yeah, no, I love that. Keeping God at the forefront of how we think about our decisions and our responsibilities. That's really good. Yeah, I'd also, um, in the where Jack was talking about, you know, you looking at your life and figuring out ways you can steward, like going about things that way is going to exhaust you and wear you out because you're pouring out so much energy, but you're not getting filled with anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're patient and you wait for the opportunities that God's placed in your lap, one, you'll see more fruit out of that because those are, that's a God ordained situation where it's like, he's provided you this window where like you don't know what's necessarily going on in someone's life behind the scenes, but God does. And he'll line things up where like, if I'm having a conversation with Isaac, like I could say something to Isaac on Monday, but maybe he's not ready to hear it on Monday. And maybe, you know, a month passes and God provides that opportunity. And I, like, that's a time where I can say something to Isaac that he might be ready to hear or more receptible to. So I think like the biggest thing is really focusing your eyes on the Lord and opportunities to steward will come naturally through your pursuit of God. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, even thinking of, you mentioned like your energy. So like thinking of your energy is coming from the Lord too, not doing it on your own power. That's a huge one for sure. Because I know a lot of times, especially us as you know college students, we're doing a lot. It's easy to just try and willpower your way through leadership. Uh, so what does that look like for you guys, like leaning on God's uh, energy on the spirit to move you and motivate you? Isaac, it's funny you asked that question because this week I've been feeling particularly convicted that I haven't been doing a good job of that, certainly in the past week and a half, but perhaps even for the past season. Um, however, I found myself uh, in particular like trying to meet with with guys who I want to speak with and encourage and speak into the potential that I see in them. And I've, I've noticed this rift in my soul where I just felt drained from that, not because I was meeting with them, but because I, I discovered I was trying to walk in with these things I wanted to say to them, this agenda. 
I had to communicate it, then it was on to the next thing, which is not normally how I interact with people. And then I was felt convicted of that. And I felt God is saying, just be a person with this with this brother, with this with this person I've placed in front of you. Enjoy spending time with them, enjoy speaking. And those things you do want to say to them, I'll give you a chance to say, but it'll be natural. You'll actually get to hear about how they're doing, um, what things that are on their heart, what things are challenging them or exciting them. And then out of that will naturally come these conversations that you want to have. And I thought that right before a conversation that I was having with, uh, actually the guy who's going to be our future vice president this upcoming year, and conversations that I wanted to have with him like months ago that I wasn't even planning on getting into cropped up out of no, like just naturally on their own because the spirit was moving instead of me trying to do it on my own with, from my own energy. And it's funny because I keep getting taught that same lesson over and over again. It's like, I forget it so quickly. And I find myself uh, in this, in this position now where it's like, you ask that question and I can't honestly say I've been doing a great job of that recently, but I can point to how God's convicted me of that and has led me to lead a different way, a much better, much more liberating way for myself and others. But that's what that would look like for me is, is intentionally getting outside of myself and just being present. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most transformational books that I've read is uh, Forgotten God by Francis Chan, which as a matter of fact, I have with me today. <laughs> but a concept that he brings up is forgetting God's will for your life, which I think is really impactful and important. He says, uh, to be honest, I believe part of the desire to know God's will for my life is birthed in fear and results in paralysis. We are scared to make mistakes, so we fret over figuring out God's will. We wonder what living according to his will would actually look like and feel like, and we are scared to find out. We forget that we were never promised a 20-year plan of action. Instead, God promises multiple times in scripture never to leave or forsake us. Hmm. Um, and so like, that's something that I've been struggling in and like my current walk with the Lord is, um, I apply to grad schools, like, man, I, I wish I knew where God was going to place me for the next two years so that I could invest fully in that community. But then at that same time, I'm being absent currently because I'm thinking about, well, I don't want to invest if I'm not going to be able to see fruit from it for two years from now, but you have to completely remove your perspective of that and just like fully let God utilize you. And like, um, he cares more about our response to the spirits leading today than our intentions in the future, um, which comes directly from Chan. So mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to live by for sure. Jack, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I'd say, cause we're talking about energy in particular and how to steward that. Well, when we are trying to do it on our own, it's like, we forget to trust that God's even called us to this place in the first place. We, or the fact that God has called us into this role or whatever the situation might be in the first place. Uh, and so we're not stewarding anything well. Uh, we're not trusting that the energy he's given us is for him and that he'll give us enough of that. And we just find ourselves working ourselves to death or moving to the point of exhaustion. Uh, and we're not stewarding the responsibility for energy and anything else that might come up well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say from my experience, so as a chaplain, as a pledge captain, like my experience has been that I need to operate from a place of being full mm -hmm. and like, I need to have a rock solid devotional discipline. I need to really be spending time in relationship with people and time with the Lord in prayer for me to actually be able to pour out well, uh, and to operate from a place of energy. And so, I mean, 
we have between the two of you, we have, you know, chaplain, pledge captain and president experience. I'd like to hear just for you guys, like in specifically in your roles as officers and bucks, what does it look like practically for you to be a servant leader to the chapter and to the other officers? Um, I mean, I'd say uh, this past semester has been quite an example of that for me. Um, we went from like one, we're in the middle of a pandemic with COVID. So um, everything's kind of changed recruitment wise um, and all of that. And so um, we ended up giving or three people accepted bids. Um, one dropped pretty much week of accepting bid and then one dropped um, halfway through the semester. So I was left with um, just one pledge. And so like you really had to, think about and like change the way your role would previously look um and like almost adapt a model of being a another big for that pledge um and like realizing that as much as i'd like to you know hold the traditional pledge captain role and wield a big stick our job is to build up our pledges and so that when they finish pledgeship they're a better man of god than they were when they entered it there's a saying from nationals, I forget whose it is, but it's taking boys of the church and making them men of God. Um, and that's that's the responsibility of pledgeship. And so if I have to put my goal, like my energy and my focus into that instead of, you know, oh man, it'd be really fun to like have this hierarchy of like, I'm an active brother and you're a pledge. Like you throw all that out the window and, you know, really focus on pouring into and building up. Yeah, through my role as a chaplain, I think that role in particular was the one where I could most clearly uh, apply and see what it looks like to lead as a servant because all of our guys have varying needs based on their backgrounds, whether they be social needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And I saw my role just to be present in all of those and to meet those. Well, honestly, not to be the one to meet them, but to ultimately point them to to God, who's going to be the one who will provide uh, and meet all those needs. But uh, to be the guy who will be there for them, to let them know without a, without a shadow of a doubt, at least one person is, is praying for them um, and is mindful of those needs, whether that's through a phone call or a text or meeting them in person, um, just pointing them to God's provision and to uh, the identity that we all have in Christ, uh, first and foremost. Yeah, and just showing them that I care for them. Um, and that was honestly such a fun role to be in because I think God grew me a lot in that just from being able to be that guy who was responsible for that. And it didn't feel much as like a, much like a responsibility, more like an opportunity and a gift, thankfully, because otherwise yeah, might've been, uh, it would have been like we talked about me working out of myself. And then as far as president goes, that was a little tougher because it's some, sometimes harder to find specific tasks within that role, uh, like other roles. However, uh, what it took for me to, to start to serve through that role is just to stop worrying about what the role should look like and how I should fill it and just be faithful. However, God called me to fill it um, given the season or situation I was in. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the biggest part of leadership is just showing up, yep. right? Just like being present, being someone there that someone else can lean on. Yeah. Um, although like Jack didn't have a very defined maybe sense of like what his role is, for president was um there are many ways that i saw uh him being a servant leader through that um being an officer under him um or kind of being on his or being in an officer corps with him 
um, is probably the better way to say that. Uh, he's just showed up when any of our um, officers needed anything. You know, Jack always has incredible timing with sending long, encouraging texts. That's one of his trademark things um, that our brotherhood has come to love. But whenever you need Jack um, and like you're struggling with uh, figuring something out for your role or doing anything like that, he was always the first person I reached out to and called. Um, and we had lots of <laughs> uh, fun, just brainstorming events. There were times where I was feeling like I was just kind of at the, the end of my energy rope, maybe doing things a little bit out of my own power and strength. And Jack was always there to help push me back to the Lord and um, just help refill my little energy tank. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree with all of that. Jack, you're, you're a great servant leader. And uh, I think that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier about being available, being someone that just can be there. And it also takes a level of empathy, right? Being someone who can put themselves in someone else's shoes and think, how can I best care for my people, uh, specifically my people, not just like others. Uh, and so it also takes a level of emotional intelligence, like we talked about in week one. But that being said, this isn't easy. It's definitely pretty easy, in fact, to get sidetracked and put yourself first. So let me ask you guys, what are some specific settings or maybe types of people that make it hard for you to take on that servant's heart? It can be challenging to serve when it feels like it isn't being appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I've never really wrestled with needing to hear the words back like, hey, thank you for that. I appreciate that necessarily, but more so the attitude of reception can be can be challenging if somebody just seems like they didn't even want you to, to be there, or didn't even want you to be saying the things that you said. When you pursue that person, we're trying to serve that person uh, because you notice a need that they might have. And if they don't recognize what you're trying to provide, that can be frustrating. However, even as I said that I noticed, it sounds like you get an, you, you make it about yourself then even when you get frustrated, like you're not being appreciated uh, by, by some individuals. It's like, well, it's not really about you being appreciated. It's about you still relentlessly seeking that person and providing uh, for other people, even if it doesn't get received the way you want it to. But that does not, that's not to say that it doesn't make it challenging to do that, to return sure. to that mindset. Yeah, I think we all want to feel like the work that we're putting in is being noticed and that it's worthwhile. So yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, for me, the people who are difficult to um, serve are those who kind of feel like they have it all figured out at the moment um, or like are really unwilling to like learn or like receive feedback. And I think part of that is like my frustration comes from that because it's like I want to be like, yeah, I did that. Or like I I pointed something out and like I realized a weakness in leadership or something. And that, like Jack said, it's all just going back to our own frustrations. And I think sometimes I'm met with that most when I'm trying to figure out and like find opportunities to pour in and I'm not letting God place those on me. And so I think my frustration comes from a lot from when I'm trying to do things on my own strength. Whereas, like I said earlier, if you wait for, you know, God's window, like that's most likely a time where that person will be hmm. more receptive and ready to hear that feedback. Even if like that was something that you knew or like, I guess God placed on your mind and your radar um, at a previous time, he'll also provide a time for you to actually have a chance to present that. Yeah. I would agree with all of that. I'd say for myself too, 
it's hard to serve when I feel like the people I'm serving not just like aren't appreciative, but are almost maybe taking advantage of mm-hmm. my kindness or my my selflessness. That's especially hard because I don't know how to respond to that. Like there's there's kind of the two sides of the coin of being a servant and also being the leader. And balancing those two can be difficult because sometimes they almost feel like they're conflicting. So like, how would you say, how do you balance serving and loving other people while still, you know, having those personal boundaries and still being the decision maker at the end of the day? What does that look like? Well, I think that our credibility as leaders comes from our willingness to serve. And so if your guys or your, your people that you're leading trust you and know that you care about them, that you love them, they're going to trust your decisions as well. And so you don't have to worry necessarily about, is this the right time to make a decision or is this the right decision or is this, am I considering everybody with the decision? As long as your priority is your people, they should be able to see the fruit of that and then be able to trust your decisions. But I really don't believe that um, while it is a balance, the priorities definitely should be placed on the serving aspect to serve by example, to lead by example amongst your, your people, instead of taking on the role or title you have and saying, well, I'm going to be out front. It's more so leading alongside. And if they can see that even at the end of the day, you're the one making the decisions or the one up in front of the room. If that's not the posture you hold in your heart and towards your people and the conversations and, and other interactions, uh, I don't believe that will be as much of a challenge as far as like wondering if, you're misusing the the leadership, like decision-making aspect of the role. Yeah, I think Jack covered the um, balance between serving and being an ultimate decision-maker um, and like holding that position of leadership, like knowing that you're going to have to make decisions, um, but you shouldn't be, as long as you're, you care about each individual in your organization, then the decisions you make will be for the benefit of them. You shouldn't be concerned about like each person's individual approval and seeking that. Um, You should be seeking what is best for the group that you're leading, Uh, whether it be your fraternity or a company in the future. You need to be making decisions based on that and not based on an individual person. Um, For personal boundaries, that one's a little harder to define, I think. Um, I mean, I I would hope that... um, it's something I've been blessed to not have to worry about. Um, I, all of the guys in, in Bucks, like, I don't think would ever, you know, try and take advantage of my willingness to pour out. Um, and I think like also part of that really just goes back to letting God point out those times. Mm. Like, I think like God's never going to put you in a position where like, he's going to be like, man, David, go pour out to this guy. And that guy's going to stab you in the back because that'll grow you later in the future or something. No, it's like, man, if like God's placing someone in your life that you need to go like have a conversation with, that's going to be life giving. So, I mean, I think it all just goes back to seeking God first. Um, And I mean, another part is just being conscious, like an emotional intelligence thing. Some relationships are just not healthy. You know, I think that, ultimately at a point you do have to protect yourself. Um, and so like, there are some people that, you know, maybe I'm not the right person. And I, I always think that God's going to provide the people who are right to mentor or disciple a specific person. Yeah. 
Well, definitely. I mean, I, as chaplain, you know, deal with that a lot of how do we put cell groups together, being really intentional about the, the different web of relationships there uh, and having to have hard conversations with brothers. Sometimes it's like, well, that is me loving and serving you, even though it may not be fun in the short term, even if you may be upset with me, um, like that's part of being in community. And, you know, there's also kind of this question of like, who do I serve? And how broad do I cast that net? And so there's also this idea of like expanding circles of influence. So you can think of just in your general life, you, you start with yourself and then maybe expand to your family and then your, your friends, local community, maybe then your city, your state, country, etc. cetera. Uh, in a business context, that might be, you know, yourself and then your team, your department, the division, the company, industry, market, and you could do the same thing. Uh, and we also sort of have that in Bucks as well. So again, yourself, um, you always start with um, taking care of yourself um, and operating from a place of confidence. And again, back to week one of, of operating from that place of love and acceptance, not for love and acceptance. Uh, and then let's say you have a little, so then that's like one other person that you're, you're caring for and uh, being a servant leader toward, uh, being a student and a servant of your little. Uh, and then to your cell group. So the cell group leader is almost to uh, his cell group what a big is to his little. And so doing the same thing for all of those guys, uh, really loving them well, going out of your way to take care of them uh, and grow them. And then um, depending on the route that you're on, maybe you're a chair or an officer, uh, and then it's to the whole chapter of how do we make sure everyone is cared for and covered uh, as an officer corps or as just an upperclassman, whatever that is. And then I guess you could also go to the national fraternity level um, of what our nationals do for us. We're blessed with very great nationals and uh, we get to benefit from that and operate ourselves from a place of uh, serving because they serve us. So that's kind of what the healthy uh, part of that looks like from an organizational level. Uh, and we can think about that too for how we then carry ourselves. I would even say that the outermost circle is Greek life at your university mm. as Bucks is established to be a um, alternative to the present fraternal lifestyle um, at our universities that we have our responsibility is to show the love of Jesus on our campus. Um, and I think uh, an area that's really missed by a lot of campus ministries is Greek life as a whole. Um, there's almost a, they're too far gone, you know, we're not going to have any success there. Um, and, you know, that might be, um, that success might not be shown for 20 years and, it, you know, might not even be something that we're consciously aware of. But, you know, if one life is affected from a date night or a, an open party or an event that we've thrown, like, that's something to be celebrated. Definitely. I mean, that can be one of the hardest pieces of being the servant leader is you don't always realize all the work that you're doing. You don't see or realize the reward of that. It's like the enemy gets us to doubt ourselves when we don't see the fruit right away. And we wonder, well, am I even doing anything? Am I actually working with God? And when you start to doubt that, you're going to be consumed by that thought. And then you really won't be working with God anymore because you're so worried about it. Yeah, it's like you might not actually see that take root for another 10 or 20 years. Um, and you don't know the impact that you have in everyone's life that you interact with. But I'm pretty sure most of us would be surprised by how much impact we have on others just by how we carry ourselves 
and uh, what we give. And so I think ultimately part of this too takes a lot of trust in the Lord that what we are doing will be honored at the end of the day. But yeah, on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you guys so much. Again, this has been Jack Stanley and David Segal on Eat Last, talking about servant leadership and stewardship. We'll see you next week for session four of Sharpen. Sharpen.